Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 1. Jackson's Confession. Candace stepped forward, her face a deep shade of red, proceeding to tell the old sugary legend of how the Appalachian Mountains were formed. Katie's eyes darted from one parent's face to another, trying to gauge everyone's reaction. She was watching everyone's features so closely she didn't miss Lizzie's mom glance around the room obviously curious as to who else was there. Mary Hawk did a double take when she saw the two older people in the back of the room. Forrest and Miss Smith were sitting in the far end, deep frowns on their faces, making their disapproval of the proceedings clear. Forrest folded his arms and was staring resolutely at Candy, acting as if he had never heard the old legend. Mrs. Hawk's face turned a deep shade of red. Mary leaned forward, her hair falling partially covering her face. Lizzie and the others on Katie's team had previously assumed Forrest was Lizzie's father. His eyes were the same unusual gray as Lizzie's. Later, Katie had realized Forrest was actually Lizzie's grandfather, which in fact made him Mary's dad. Forrest never looked towards Mary or indicated she was in the same room. Katie's heart went out to Mary Hawk. She herself had lived without a father, but actually never missed his presence. Sure, around Father's Day, she felt something was missing. She never remembered having a dad, so how can you miss something that was never there? What if your father lived in the same area as you? You would see him occasionally but it was obvious he didn't want anything to do with you. Katie could just imagine the hurt and sense of abandonment she would feel. Katie's eyes narrowed on Forrest, her chest filled with anger and indignation, another reason to dislike the old man. Katie, what's wrong? Katie blinked, turning her attention to Candy. What? Candy's body was half-turned, facing her an expression of concern evident on her features. Katie could feel her face getting warm as all eyes in the room rested on her. Sorry, I guess I got a little distracted. She was bonded with both Candy and Jackson, which meant they could feel each other's emotions. Her feelings towards Forrest must have been pretty strong to distract Candy. Candy arched one elegant eyebrow, before turning back towards the audience. Katie could hear Jackson's soft chuckle in her head. Deciding to ignore him, she looked back over the audience, making sure she paid attention. Candy cleared her throat and took another deep breath. Since these mountains are the oldest, they hold the most powerful magic. The animals that live in these hills and valleys possess this magic. 
the magic became a part of their lives. As time went on, the magic grew less. It was watered down by the many species that possessed it. Candy paused a moment, looking out over the audience. The sugary tribe came to this land and saw the abundant hunting grounds available. Deciding to stay, they settled in one of the valleys and called it home. Other tribes came and settled in and around the mountains called Appalachia. Many of the animals which lived in these mountains began to die out. The magic carried by their species died with them. Taking a deep breath, Candy continued, One day, a great white tiger, the last of her kind, came upon a young woman and her baby. Too tired to hunt, the tiger decided to eat the child. The young mother, seeing her baby was in danger, picked up a rock, trying to defend her child. The tiger, surprised at this courageous act, backed away from the mother. Curious about this new species, the tiger followed the woman with her young back to the village. She became a silent protector of the woman. One day, the tiger got careless and was seen by a warrior of the tribe. Misunderstanding the tiger's intent, the warrior gathered others and hunted the tiger till they killed her. When the spirit left the tiger's body, it felt bad that it could no longer protect the courageous woman. Instead of going to the spirit world, its spirit entered the body of the young mother. The two spirits joined. All the magic of the white tiger was passed down to this woman. When the sugary was in danger, the woman would turn into the form of a tiger. She then fought whatever foe endangered the tribe. The tiger's spirit was passed down from mother to daughter. Time passed, and the sugary no longer told the story of the courageous young woman and the spirit tiger that protected the tribe. The story was lost. Katie automatically stepped closer to Candy, quietly giving her support. Candy straightened her spine and proceeded with the legend. One day, strange men entered the village. They had pale skin and blue and green eyes. They killed and maimed several people as they tried to get the sugary to tell them where gold was hidden in the mountains. Sensing danger, the spirit of the tiger entered a descendant of the original courageous mother, transforming her into a tiger. The young woman's name was Running Deer. Not knowing what was happening, she ran into the woods. By the time she figured out what she needed to do, she returned to the village only to find it was devastated by the white man's disease. Afraid to turn back into human form, Running Deer ventured into the forest. The other tribes were devastated as the sickness ran unchecked through the mountains. Eventually, Running Deer found a tribe untouched by the white man's sickness. She turned back into human form and was counted among Cherokee. Running Deer never forgot she was sugary. She told her children so they could tell their children's children the story of the great white tiger. When the day comes, a young woman turns into a tiger. She will not run, but stand and protect her people. Candy looked out over the small crowd of parents in the room, her face turning into a deeper shade of red. She paused. We 
have assembled you here today to tell you the old sugary legend is true. Dead silence echoed in the large room. Katie's eyes darted from one face to the next. Most of the parents had a blank look on their faces. Looking over at her mom, she could see her mother had a surprised look. Her features changed to a half-unbelieving smile. What is going on, Candace? A clear, high-pitched, evidently angry voice erupted. One of the well-dressed ladies stood up. She had blonde hair that coiled stylishly into a soft bun. A purse was tucked under one arm. Katie couldn't help staring at the most beautiful woman she had ever seen. Studying the woman closer, she could see her eyes were green. The light jacket she was wearing matched her eyes perfectly, accentuating her features. Her skin was flawless, making her look like a model or maybe a movie star. Katie could only gape as the woman stood there like nobility, looking at them like they were unruly peasants. Mother, Candace said in a shaky voice. Katie glanced back at her friend in surprise. Instead of the overly annoying, confident teenager Katie knew well, Candy was reduced to an unsure child trembling in the face of an irate parent. Without even thinking about it, Katie put her arm around Candy's shoulder. Everything Candy said is true, she said to Mrs. Franklin. Are you telling us? The woman gestured elegantly around the audience of parents. We are to believe that someone can turn into a tiger? Mother, if you can just listen a little longer, Candace pleaded. The woman rounded on Candy. I do not have time for child bedtime stories from spoiled little girls trying to get attention from their daddy. Mother, just listen. I don't know about any of you, but I am tired of my time being wasted. Mrs. Franklin turned towards the parents. I'm not sure if any of you are aware of this, but you are all trespassing. You have until the time I get in my car and call the police to get off this property. Turning back towards Candy, she stopped. I'm sick and tired of your little tricks. You are going to that boarding school in Switzerland immediately. Mother, please. Katie could feel Candy shaking. She knew her friend was barely holding on to her human form. Stepping back a few feet, go ahead and turn, she told Candy through her thoughts. Candy took a step towards her mom, changing immediately. The snow leopard roared its frustration at the woman heading for the door. The sound was deafening. Katie folded her arms and smirked as the woman turned, facing a very large snow leopard. Wow, 
The purse dropped onto the floor as Candy once again screamed her frustrations. Katie stepped forward, placing a hand on the back of her friend's massive cat shoulders. Mrs. Franklin, if you would have a seat, we have a few more things to discuss. She watched the woman take a few steps back, all the while staring at the snow leopard. She slowly walked back to her seat and sat down. Her shocked face mirrored everyone else in the room. If you will excuse Candy, she's going to run upstairs and get some clothes on, Katie said in a nonchalant voice. Turning, the large cat bounded up the stairs. Katie stooped down, picking up Candy's shredded clothes. We are continuously ruining our clothes, she said conversationally. She casually walked into the kitchen and dumped the clothes into a trash bin. Returning, she folded her arms. The parents' shocked eyes were following her every move. I know it's hard to digest what you have just seen, but we need to move on if we're going to cover everything. She looked around the room, resting on her mother's face. She had one hand covering her mouth, her shocked eyes filled with tears. Looking towards the back of the room, David gestured for her to keep going. I would like to introduce another of my friends. Instead of walking down the stairs, Jackson jumped from the second railing. He did a twist in the air, landing in front of her. She was so used to Jackson and his acrobatics, she didn't flinch when he landed within inches of her. Bending his knees to take the impact of his weight, he straightened his legs. He was facing her, his back to the audience. He closed his eyes for a split second and slowly turned around, looking directly at his parents, his head cocked to one side. Jared! The scream came from the other well-dressed lady. Jumping up, the woman ran towards Jackson, hugging him so tightly she didn't look like she wanted to ever let go. A man, who was obviously Jackson's father, wrapped his arms around Jackson and his mother. Tears were streaming down his face. Your life! Your life! He kept repeating. The woman stepped back a little and looked over her son to make sure he was really there. Turning to her husband, I told you he was alive. No one believed me, but I knew it. I just knew he was alive. Katie clasped her hands together in front of her face, tears welling up in her eyes. She watched the scene a little longer, a deep well of peace washing over her until she looked out over the audience. Mrs. Black had collapsed in a well of tears. Mr. Black was hunched over, trying to comfort his wife as David, his jaw clenched, stood helplessly watching his mother's misery. Horror washed through her as Katie realized what she had done. When she had planned this evening, she hadn't thought of how the Blacks would take this small family reunion. Not knowing how to handle the situation, she cleared her throat, trying to get the happy family's attention. Finally, 
reaching out with her mind. Jackson, the blacks are taking your family reunion really hard. We need to cut this short. Jackson's head jerked up. As he peered over to see Mrs. Black still on the floor, openly weeping, swearing under his breath, he gently pulled himself away from his parents. Mom, Dad, you need to sit down. We still have a lot of things you need to hear. His mother looked like she was going to argue. Jackson glanced at his dad for support. Please, Dad, sit down. We, he stumbled over the words as he looked back at Mrs. Black. I need to give everyone the answers they need. His mom stood there with her hand on his arm, gently pulling him back towards her. Mom, please, go sit down. Jackson said gently, his eyes turning to steel as he eyed the blacks in their grief. Katie watched the couple walk back to their seats, holding on to each other, relieved smiles on their faces. Jackson stood there patiently, waiting for Mrs. Black. Finally, able to compose herself, Soraya Black apologized. Jackson's features froze as Sam's mother apologizes to him. Katie could feel his emotions well up inside of him. Despair, doubt, grief, self-hatred were washing over him, weakening him in body and spirit. The waves so strong they were once again sapping her strength as well as his. She quietly stepped up to his right side. She was one step behind him so he could feel she was there supporting him. She looked out over the audience until her eyes rested on David. He was standing back against the wall, his whole body tense, his eyes angry. She felt, rather than saw, Candy leap into the air from the top balcony. She did a twisted flip and landed a step behind Jackson. She took the necessary step forward to stand on Jackson's left. Tyler and Lizzie followed suit, lightly landing just behind her. They stepped forward, putting all five of them in a triangle shape, Jackson standing in front. The front door opened quietly. Katie glanced over as a very large lioness walked in. The cat closed the door with her paw. She quietly laid down, obviously trying to be inconspicuous. The Seekers want to know how our parents are handling being told. They are trying to decide if that's what they want to do. Jackson's thoughts quietly told them. Katie smiled at the lioness before turning her attention back to the task at hand. It's now or never, she communicated softly with her thoughts. Jackson stared out over the small audience for a couple of moments. I had no idea what was happening to me when I started getting hot and cold flashes. First, I thought I may be coming down with something. The other kids didn't seem to be sick. The day I changed, I instinctively ran into the woods. I was rolling around on the dried leaves, wondering what was happening to me. I heard a voice inside my head telling me I was turning into a werecat. I had no idea what that meant exactly until I turned into a black panther. Jackson shook his head. I was scared and I was freaking out over the fact I was no longer human.
A very large bobcat stood before me. He told me I had a choice to make. I must choose to become a seeker or die. He gestured towards the audience. I had no idea what a seeker was and what it entailed. The only thought I had was, I'm 17 and I want to live. I told the bobcat I choose life. He had me bow down to him and say an oath. The moment I said it, I felt a strong pain run throughout my whole body. Later, I learned part of the soul of the animal left, leaving only an essence of what it once was. Jackson shook his head again in disgust. If I could take back that one moment of my life, I could have just fought him or died. His voice trailed off. I was told I could never go home. If I did, my family would be killed. I was now theirs to do with what they wanted. I was a slave in their power over me. I first entered a training camp where I was taught how to fight. I was assigned to this area as a seeker. My duties were to change all wear animals into seekers. I was also told this area was the most dangerous because a great white tiger protected it from all seekers. The great white tiger's name was Elizabeth Hawk. A gasp resounded throughout the group of parents. Lizzie's mom had her hand over her mouth in shock. Mrs. Black exchanged a startled look with her husband. Katie's mom sat motionless, intently listening. Since it was a very dangerous area for seekers, I was left alone. I felt the electrical current in the air that a new wear animal was about to turn. I was told not to venture close to the wear animal until it was time to turn. I was curious, found myself following Katie, watching her closely. I even watched her play basketball. Katie felt the eyes of her mother as they rested on her. She looked intently back, wishing this moment wasn't such a shock to her. Jackson continued, I don't know exactly how it happened. I was thinking about Katie when I was instantly transported into her dream. I watched her as she faced the great white tiger, proving her courage to become a were-animal. I followed her in her dream. The spirit of the great white tiger was protective of Katie and would not allow me to speak to her. Jackson shrugged. I persisted. The tiger eventually let me talk to Katie, as long as she was in the same room with me. We would talk for hours while she slept. She told me everything about herself, especially about her two best friends, Samantha Black and young Elizabeth Hawk, known as Lizzie. I pretty much knew I was toast when I realized Katie knew old Elizabeth Hawk personally. Normally, it takes a couple of weeks for someone to go through the cycle of turning into a were-animal. It took Katie a couple of months to turn. The night Katie transformed, she told me old Elizabeth Hawk had been dead for months. This news surprised me especially since the all-knowing leaders didn't have a clue she was gone. It was the first time I noticed a flaw in what I was told. Katie was special for several reasons. Because I was close to Katie, I could feel the vibrations. 
In reality, the electrical current was barely discernible. Also, when a person gets ready to turn, the instinct is to run into the woods. It's easier for a seeker to find them. Katie didn't run into the woods, and she didn't turn into a large cat, but a great big white wolf. Jackson looked out over the crowd. Once I'd gotten to know her, I had no intention of turning her into a seeker. I was able to help her control herself while I was miles away. I physically stayed away, trying not to draw attention to the fact that she was changing. I could reach out with my thoughts and communicate with her. Katie stayed home from school for a week until she felt like she could control herself. The next weekend, Lizzie and Sam came over, concerned about her. Jackson sighed. I am bonded with Katie, meaning I can see through her eyes. I can feel her emotions through Katie's eyes. I saw Lizzie and Sam for the first time. I could feel the love Katie had for her two friends. I asked Katie which one of the girls was Lizzie because I figured she would probably be the next great white tiger. I was lying on my bed enjoying Katie's cozy home when I was viciously pulled off. I found myself surrounded by seekers. Jackson stepped forward and took off his shirt. He turned so the parents could see the scars crisscrossing his back, the last scars he had received only a few weeks ago were still red and ugly. Another gasp echoed through the room. Turning around, the scars reached around his torso and up into his neck. Jackson quickly put his shirt back on. I was punished for not turning Katie into a seeker. I was tied down and clawed by the other seekers. I was thrown into a cesspool, infecting my wounds. I was tossed into a small room, which became my prison for several weeks. My only outlet was being able to follow Katie with my mind. I watched through her eyes as she attended her classes and interacted with her friends. It was the only thing that kept me sane. I learned how to communicate without the leaders knowing what I was up to. When I was let out of my prison, I was told I would be given another chance to prove myself. I was quite determined to turn the next wear animal into a seeker. Jackson quit speaking, glancing towards his parents. I didn't care who it was. I was not going to go through another punishing episode. Candace lived in Sergis's territory. The seeker who had turned me. The day she turned, she crossed over into my territory. She was now my responsibility. Candace reacted normally. She ran deep into the woods so I could get to her quickly. As she was beginning to turn, I was attacked by Katie. She had never physically met me, but instinctively knew I had evil intentions for Candace. Katie smiled at the memory Jackson invoked. Jackson must have felt her smile because he glanced her way, grinning in return. I recognized Katie immediately. I thought if I could show her I could kill her, she would get scared and run away. Jackson chuckled a little. Of course, I didn't know Katie then as I do now. She doesn't give up, even when there's no way to win. 
She just keeps fighting. It became obvious either I have to kill her or concede. Jackson shrugged. I gave up. I was again punished, but not as badly. Another were animal was about to turn in my territory, and this one had to be stopped at all costs. Katie had found Forrest's cabin and felt like it was the ideal place for were animals to learn how to adjust to their new lifestyle. Lizzie, Katie, Candace, and Sam were all staying at the cabin while Lizzie was on the verge of turning. There was a total of six seekers sent to kill everyone in the cabin. I was one of the six. The plan was to draw Katie out of the cabin and ambush her in the woods. This would leave the other three defenseless. It was a full moon, which meant I did not have all my mental powers. I was desperately trying to figure out how I could warn Katie about the future attack when I saw her running after Seeker. She was dead set into the trap. I called out to her and masked my intentions from the other Seekers. I told her to get back into the cabin. The Seekers were determined to get Lizzie. Katie immediately stopped and turned back towards the cabin. Two other Seekers were preparing to enter the cabin when Sam started shooting a gun out of the top window. The gun stopped all plans to attack the cabin and its occupants. The Seekers were gathered together, discussing what they could do. Everyone had seen me get punished and was afraid to go away empty-handed. Then Katie's thoughts rang out so everyone could hear her asking for a Jackson to come and explain what the hell was going on. Jackson paused. For those of you who don't know, I told Katie my name was Jackson. I was breaking rules just talking to her. So I had to make up a name so I wouldn't get caught. The Seekers were afraid of other were-animals in the area they had not known about. This cabin the girls were staying in was known to Seekers. If you got too close, you usually disappeared, never to be seen again. Katie heard a sound in the back of the room and saw Forrest nod. His face split into a grin. It was the first time she had seen the old man smile. Jackson must have seen the grin, too, because he grudgingly acknowledged Forrest. No one knew there were other were-animals in the area besides old Elizabeth Hawk. It was only known this area was protected by a ferocious white tiger no one could stand against. All six seekers were severely punished for our incompetence. I found myself back into my little prison. Once again, the only thing keeping me sane was seen through Katie's eyes as she did her daily routine. A couple of the other seekers didn't survive. It was only a couple of weeks and another where animal was going to change. This time, the leaders felt this area was getting out of hand and the plan was to grab the were animal before he actually changed. I was once again told I had a chance to prove myself. Three of the best known fighters were to grab Tyler and bring him back. I was one of the three. At first, 
I followed the other two seekers, intending on doing my job. Jackson shrugged. Who was Tyler to me? I realized Katie and Candace knew we were closing in and was out to rescue him. I had fought Katie. I knew she didn't stand a chance against any of the seekers. When the mountain lion who was in the lead stretched his legs to go faster, I attacked the saber-toothed tiger. He was big and mean, and I almost lost the fight. The only thing that kept me fighting was the thought of Katie not quitting until she was dead. I finished the fight in time to see Katie pull the mountain lion out of the tree and Candace go in for the kill. I listened as they lamented over killing someone. That night, I made a decision. I didn't know how I was going to make it happen. But I was no longer going to be a seeker. I was sick and tired of being treated like I was a worthless being. I wanted to be on the team, fighting against evil, doing the right thing. I had repeatedly helped Katie's team gain a foothold in this territory. I wanted to be a part of them. I returned to my leaders, telling them the great white wolf is too powerful. It had killed the other two seekers. When I was strung up to get my punishment, I fervently wished the seekers could not see my actual flesh. And that is exactly what happened. My mind created an image projecting out to the seekers. They swiped with their claws, but did not actually touch me. Jackson looked out over the audience. I had figured out another technique in my quest in order to survive my ordeal. In my prison, I practiced projecting images until I could project clothes onto my body. Jackson took off his shirt. He was holding his shirt in one hand and another shirt materialized on his torso. Another gasp echoed through the room. How many of you can see the shirt I am now wearing? Katie's mom raised her hand. Mr. and Mrs. Black nodded their heads in assent. The Franklins made a quick gesture. Jackson's parents nodded their faces beaming. Lizzie's parents raised their hands. Forrest and Miss Smith gave a jerk, frowns on their faces. Jackson made a quick assessment. It looks like everyone here can see my shirt. I don't see it, David interrupted. Katie quickly glanced towards David. He was still leaning against the wall, his arms folded, anger radiating from his features. Jackson glanced at him. He paused for a moment before slowly putting his shirt back on. Tugging the fabric into place, he glanced back towards David. I am already aware David cannot see my projections. My projection is quite small compared to what Lizzie can do. The room disappeared, and in its place, a mountain meadow instantly appeared. The grass was tall, and a soft breeze was blowing in the wind. A doe entered the clearing, looked around, and then bounded away. Just as swiftly, the vision ended, and the room was back to normal. Jackson looked out over the audience. How many of you were able to see the meadow? All the parents raised their hands. Katie glanced towards the back. 
Forrest and Miss Smith shook their heads in a negative gesture. David shrugged. I don't see anything. We are still trying to figure out what we can and can't do. Jackson tried to explain. We do not know why some people can see and others can't. He sighed, running his fingers through his hair in a familiar, frustrated manner. I am surprised David cannot see the projection, especially since Sam was destined to be the great white tiger. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of My Castle, the second book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.